So this is a little bit different today. Um, with this being Valentine's Day week, Katie and I wanted to take an opportunity and just talk a little bit about relationships. And, you know, it's obviously one of the most important, relevant things that's always uh, needed as far as growth in the body of Christ for our relationships to grow and to prosper and to flourish. And um, we, we wanted to take this time and just share more from the perspective of what like God has done in our lives. It's more of kind of like a, a, a quick walkthrough of the journey that he's taken us on in our relationship and in our marriage. And certainly it's not that you're going to get a, everything you need to know about relationships here today, but I do believe that you're going to get a lot of things that are true to the word of God, principles that you can stand on and, that, and build your faith and that you can apply in your own life and your own relationships to enrich them and to see them flourish into everything that God has created them to be. So it's kind of like this is a little bit about our story and our journey. There's a, a TV program that seems to be real popular right now. It's called This Is Us. I don't know if there's anybody here that watches that. Be honest. Okay. A lot of people need to repent right now. Okay. <laughs> but um, so we're going to title the message today, This Is Us, because this is kind of a little bit about a story and a journey, I think, that we've been on. So you wanted to open up, babe, uh, just kind of giving them a little bit of background because like on how we met and where our relationship got started, because it's a question we get a lot from people like, how did you guys meet? And sometimes we tell that story a little differently. So I'll let you start. <laughs> So um, Matt and I, we grew up in the same town uh, of Arnold over in Missouri, and we went to the same school, to the same high school for a few years. He went to a different high school for a little bit of that, but we never knew each other. We were a graduating class of almost 900 kids, so we were able to do all of that and never know each other. Um, but we had similar friends in common, and so after we were older and out of school at 21 years old, we got to know each other at a bar through um, some mutual friends getting married. League. It was a pool league. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So he, he'll interject. <laughs> um, and so my friend who I was there with, she was pointing out all the single guys in the room and telling me about them. And so she's like, here's this stockbroker over here. And I was like, He's all dressed up, and I kind of like a guy with a little bit of edge to him. So I was like, no, you know. Oh, no, that is not. No, no. There was like this sparkle in your eye, and you like the air parted, and you were just awestruck is the way I remember that. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, a, a few weeks after that, um, I got this call completely out of the blue, and this guy tracked down my number from, I, don't, I still don't even know where. He called me, and he asked me Can you make it sound out. a little less stalkerish? That was not... <laughs> But for me, I had never had anybody do that, and that was very impressive, and he intrigued me. And I remember telling my mom, he's like, oh, this, he's all dressed up, and he's like a stockbroker or something, which he wasn't. And my mom's like, please, go out with the nice guy. <laughs> and so I did. And it was like three weeks later. We had a good time. Three weeks later, we ran into each other at um, a gas station, and he asked me out again. I was blown away that we went Grew up in the same town, went to high school for four years together, and then later we run into each other at a gas station. Um, but anyway, after that, we kind of were inseparable. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much we're head over heels right from the get-go from when I remember it. Yeah, so. I saw potential. Yeah. I saw potential. So, you know, we dated, obviously, for, I don't know, what was it, about a year before we ended up getting married? Two a little years. over a year. Two years, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, got married. And whenever we did, you know, Katie grew up in uh, a Bible-believing church, and she was raised in church. And I had come off of a very hardcore spell of about a decade of intense partying and just, you know, not really, God was just not even on my radar and uh, not in the way I was living or anything. And I didn't really care. I just thought life was about a party and and you party as hard as you can because you never know when life's going to end. That was, that, was my, that was my philosophy on life. And so when I met her, um, I was very, I was motivated to, to find something more and, you know, some kind of more meaning to things. And she started inviting me to church and um, I went for not very long before one day, you know, I just, I heard the gospel preached loud and clear. Um, Jesus said, Christ crucified and rose again. And through that you're saved and he's going to bring you a new life and a life you could never have on your own. And it just hit me like, this is for me. Like, this is the time it's, it's, this is the day. And so I gave my life to the Lord that morning, and I'm telling you, I've never been the same since, <laughs> never. And um, anyway, so that was kind of like the beginning of our journey was before we even got married that I got saved. Go ahead. For us, you know, as you can tell, we wanted to share our story so you can see how different we are. For him, you know, he heard the gospel, he got saved, and he was off. For me, I was raised in church, and it took a while for my faith to really become mine. I knew about God. I always believed in God, but it was I, through my teenage years, I kind of turned away from the things that God would have me do. And it wasn't until I met him that I was like, okay, I need to get serious. Like, if I'm going to move forward in life, I want it to be on God. Like, I knew it was important. And so for me, it was kind of a, a longer process before I really got on fire for God and was living for him like I should. Yeah. Now talk about, cause you said last service, which I thought was good, how, you know, we're like very different very people, different. like completely yeah. different yeah. people, like yeah. really um, different. So people. some of the ways that, <laughs> um, so, yeah. that you'll notice here is that one, you know, he, Matt's a lot more wordy. He's very descriptive with his words. He, <laughs> he, he talks a lot in the night, you know, that was a nice, no, I'm joking. Whereas I'm not, I'm a little more cut to the chase. You know, my answers are a lot shorter. So you know, I'll have to jump in here and there so that he gives me a say, and then you'll just kind of get this little nugget, and then I'm done. <laughs> Another but, way, my, well, no, my, let's just my, move my, on. Yeah. No. <laughs> Another way is, you know, some couples are very affectionate and very loving to each other. You know, we, we're playful, and we're joking, and there's not a right way or a wrong way, but you're going to see a lot of humor um, and a lot of jokes, and, and that's just who we are. This is us. So. A little mischievous at times, too, yeah. But um, it's true, you know, God brings people together and we are all uniquely different. And that's, that's an awesome thing that we celebrate. Uh, just like anything, our uniquenesses can be great strengths for us, but if they're not tempered well, they can also be problematic or cause issues in our relationships as well. For example, my sense of humor can keep things light and can keep things fun, but every now and then, you know, I don't recognize that it's not a time to be funny, and I can say something that's a little bit insensitive. Um, she calls it sarcastic, but anyway, it you know comes across the wrong way, and uh, it can hurt her feelings a little bit. But if I temper that well, that sense of humor can be a great quality to enrich the quality of our relationship. Whereas Katie, you know, she's very organized and very planned out, and 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 very serious at times, yeah. 
And, uh, and so that can be great to kind of keep our family on track and keep the, the chaos that we live in every single day a little bit normal. But at, times, but at times that can be a little bit restrictive too beyond just us being able to move freely and leave room for flexibility and stuff. So those qualities, those differences, the key is that we realize that there's a beauty in that, but each and every one of us are people who need to be tempered, who need to be transformed more and more into the image of God every day. And he's the one who's gonna go about doing that work on the inside of us as we grow together and grow with him. Good. Okay. <laughs> no, that's good. And, you know, keeping God at the center of your relationship because we're all so different is, you know, the Bible tells us a lot of things. It gives us principles to live by. But it's that relationship with God that helps us to walk through the things that, that are unique to us, that helps us to see things in each other um, or see things in ourselves that we need to that is unique to us, unique to our relationship to help us to grow closer together. Yeah. Just a funny story. I, on that first date, I don't think I could get her to say like three words. She's very, she was very quiet and introverted at that time. And uh, I was like, dude, like this is normally not me. You know, I'm talkative and conversationalist. And, but there was something challenging and my competitive nature won out in that situation. Uh, and so I set my mind to that challenge and kind of blew you away. He chased so. me down. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, you know, the fact, the first thing we wanted to, to build off of here is that every relationship, whether it's marriage, you're dating, you're in close relationships with people in your lives, look, it's important that every relationship be founded on a strong foundation of God being at the center of these things. And a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today is more of how I view it's the walls going up on top of the foundation that's already been laid. And those walls won't be supported, they won't be strong if there isn't a foundation underneath there to really secure them. And we view the foundation of every relationship, especially with husband and wife, uh, as needing to be founded and anchored on God at the center of that relationship. So why don't you talk to us about like what what you think that that means and how that works for us so for us first and foremost you know it's in prayer and prayer is just a conversation with God right sometimes we kind of make it seem bigger than that but really it's just us talking with God and so as we pray ourselves and we're seeking God for answers to our relationship but also as we pray together you know it's us praying together being on the same page together seeking God for together for where we're supposed to go, it keeps us focused. It keeps us on the right path and in the right direction. Yeah, that's really good. And it's amazing to me, I think I've said this a couple of weeks ago in a service, but we sit down with couples and, and talk to people, married couples a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges and things that everybody kind of goes through. Um, but one of the first issues that I try to get to is like, do you guys, do you guys spend time in prayer together? I know everybody, say you pray individually in your own time with the Lord and that's important. You got to do that. But do you pray together? And I'm not talking about just blessing your food at a meal. I mean, do you sit down and do you really pray and, and 
allow yourself to be open and vulnerable before one another so that you're inviting God and the Holy Spirit into this relationship in a much more intimate and deeper way that can allow him to do a much more meaningful and powerful work. He doesn't go anywhere he's not invited. And so if there's a relationship that's never really inviting God into the equation together, there's just a, there's like a certain amount of work that he's not able to do until he's asked to come in. And so we know that the Bible tells us that in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, it says, one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. And look, two people united on the same page can do a lot of great things, but you bring the Holy Spirit into that relationship and you have a threefold cord that's knitted together, it's unstoppable and the forces of hell can't come against it and defeat what God wants to do in that situation. So we've got to be a praying people, but we've got to be praying together and seeking God together because it's... I don't know why it is, but sometimes we feel like this is awkward or it's just different or strange to pray in front of each other. But look, man, when you let your guard down and you allow yourself to be open and vulnerable and your partner sees that intimate side of you and then he sees you really seeking God with your whole heart, I'm telling you, it just brings everything to a much deeper level of intimacy with God and with one another. It's critically important. The other thing on the foundation, putting God at the center, is um, you know it's it's all about trusting Him in every area of our lives. And for all of us, there's things that we maybe can easily trust God with, or that we're more likely to just kind of uh, give over to Him. Whether sometimes it's finances for people, some people you know we trust God with a, our protection and keeping us safe, or we trust Him with you know our job or whatever. It's no different in the area of relationships. Like God has a design and He has a plan for us, and we need to trust Him and put the relationships that we have in our life in his hands, that there is a part of, of growing these things that only he can do. It's kind of like the Bible says that, you know, some sow seed, some water seed, but only God brings the increase. We got to know what our part in the relationship is and what it isn't. And so we need to trust that if we're walking with God, seeking him, inviting him into our relationship, that he's going to do the miracle part. He's going to do the miraculous. He's going to do the growth, the flourishing, and the increasing. But if we try to put that responsibility on ourselves or take the weight of that on ourselves, it's only going to result in a very futile, frustrating attempt. We need to just make sure that we trust God. Like, God, I trust you with my marriage. I trust it. I'm, if I'm seeking you, you're going to grow my marriage. You're going to prosper this relationship. This thing is in your hands, and ultimately, that's where I want it to be, not in my own hands, because it shall let you know I'll probably just screw it up, right? So... If you think about, just for a minute, you know, the things that you trust in your life right now. If you think about, like, your car, you trust it to get you to where you need to go. Or you think about, you know, the floor you walk on, you trust it to hold you up. You know, there's a peace there. There's a rest in that. And so when we choose to trust God in the areas of our relationship, then there's a peace there and there's a rest. And instead of there being walls or defensiveness or, you know, like protection, self-protection mode that you're in, there can be a rest there because you know that God is covering it. He's taking care of it for you. Yeah, that's very good. That's probably a good point or a good way to, to talk about, you know, getting our identity in Christ and not in each other. And so we'll notice sometimes, and this will be a situation where sometimes people in a relationship will actually have an unhealthy need 
from the other person to give them their identity, to give them their meaning. It's like this relationship is what makes them who that they are. And while our relationships are critically important, our marriage is critically important, listen, there is only one relationship that gives any of us our identity, our self-worth, our meaning, and our purpose, and that is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is who our identity comes from. And that's important because if I am needing my identity or my you know, being sustained or, or being fulfilled in who I am from her, the first thing I'm doing is I'm putting something on her she's not equipped to carry. She's not empowered to be the one who provides that for me. I need to find that from Christ. So I'm setting, her, I'm setting myself up to be frustrated, disappointed if I'm putting my expectations on any person, any man that only God is supposed to be able to give me. And then when we have that identity in Christ, there is a security that cannot be, it's like nobody can take that away from me. Devil can do all kinds of things, but I am a son of Christ. I am a child of God, and he cannot take that away. He cannot threaten that. He cannot revoke that. This is something that God has given me freely, and it's who I am. And there's a security when we know that that allows us to be real. It allows us to be vulnerable. It allows us to even have... You know, like we might be embarrassed a little bit or we might do something silly and stupid. And some people are so afraid of that that they're going to look bad, that it's going to threaten kind of their image or who they are, that they stay far away from ever really truly being vulnerable and transparent with other people. And relationships need that to prosper. When you have your identity in Christ, there's a security there. It's like Paul says, he's like, if I'm going to if I'm going to be foolish for anything, it's going to be foolish for Christ. <laughs> if I'm going to look silly for anything, it's going to be silly in the way I worship and serve the Lord, right? And so there's just that abandonment. It's like nobody can, you can't damage who I am. You can't take my identity away. I can do the dumbest thing in the world and you can laugh at me and we can, whatever, but you know what? I, you're never gonna threaten that inner peace and that inner identity that I have on the inside of me. Yeah, this is an area that I had really struggled with when I was younger, um, knowing who I was in Christ. And so because of that, like Matt said, I was very, um, defensive, and I was easily offended, and I felt like constantly, you know, if someone didn't like me or if they didn't think what I was doing was good, that it spoke to my identity. And in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it says, but you are once chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something and from rejected to accepted. And so for me, once I realized that I am accepted, I'm accepted by God, the creator of the universe, the, the one who it really matters, yeah. then even though I don't want to feel stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> even last night. Um, oh, I don't <laughs> let's talk about that in a second. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it, that I still have those thoughts sometimes, but when it boils down to it, you know, God accepts me for who I am and for where I am, and that is the most important thing. And what I've realized is those fears, most of the time, mm. they're not even true. They don't even happen. You know, I think people are going to think a certain way or look at me a certain way, and most of the time they don't. Why? Because usually they've been there, and they've experienced it, and they know what I've been going through. Yeah. And so when you have two people walking together who are secure in their identity in Christ, their relationship with God, 
it just really gives you the freedom to be able to love each other with full abandonment and to let the other person love you just uniquely as who they are. And that's what a relationship really needs in order to continue to flourish and grow. Um, Let's talk a little bit about communication because this is a big one and and this is a place where we had a lot of things to to talk about. Communication is obviously like the medium uh, frequency uh, that every relationship is going to be growing upon. If you're not communicating, then you don't have a means to really be able to grow more intimate with one another. Now, there's good or healthy communication. There's also bad or unhealthy communication, which I see that as two different tracks. I see bad or unhealthy communication as potentially being no communication at all. That happens, you know, you get into a place where people just shut down, they don't open up, they don't, re- they don't bear their soul, they're, not, they're just living very surface level where there's no deeper communication and that really shuts off the uh, process of intimacy and growth um, continuing. But then there's also bad or unhealthy communication that's like destructive, damaging type of communication. There's words flying and there's things happening, but it's doing nothing but causing wounds and cutting into our soul and, and damaging the quality of the relationship. And obviously, neither of those are good. Healthy communication and consistent communication is based off of some really solid godly principles. For example, the first one that I have here is that we have to really be a good listener, We have to be a good listener. We have to really be able to be in tune to hearing and understanding the other person. Undivided kinds of attention. And truthfully, this is an area where I've really struggled with in our relationship. I'm like the kind of person when she's talking to me about something that I very easily and quickly start thinking about all kinds of other things that I have to do or that's going on. And I've realized that if a bunch of things are getting a little bit of my attention. No thing is getting all of my attention. And she needs that. She deserves that. And whenever I'm not paying attention or I'm somewhere else, you know, and those moments came up where it's like, didn't you hear anything that I just said? And where, where were you when we had this conversation the other day? Anybody else, like, admit to this? I'm like, okay. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, what, I'm, what I've realized over the years is it's, it's not just a, an insufficient thing. Like it's damaging to her because it's saying that she's not important enough for me to listen to. She's not important enough to be heard. And other things are equally as important or more important than what she should be and who she, the place that she should be holding in my heart. And those are, that's damaging stuff that I, it's hard to come back around from, you know. And so the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. James 1 says, let every man be swift to hear but slow to speak. And so, you know, it's important if we're going to learn and understand the needs of our spouse or um, the people that we're in relationship with, we have to hear them. We have to hear what they're saying, and we have to hear things beyond even the words, like the tone and the, and the experiences behind that and all the things that are being implied by that communication. Yeah, another thing is, you know, we have to accept each other where they are. Um, Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And so the first thing in that scripture that really spoke to me is that we're called to accept one another as Christ accepted us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I remember where I was when Christ accepted me 
And that wasn't, he didn't come in and say, you got to change before I accept you. You got to be here in this place. You know, he has a better life that he offered me, but he didn't say I had to meet it before he would accept me. And so we have to do that. He's called us to accept others, you know, our, our spouses, our friends, you know, our, our siblings, parents, you know, whatever relationship as Christ accepted us. But he also says in order to bring praise to God. And that's a pretty awesome thing. You know, when we accept other people right where they are, we're praising God by doing that. We're, we're honoring him. We're being obedient. We're showing them the love of God. And I know for me, like, I'm not changed very easily by people pushing me, but I'm changed more easily when people love me for where I am and then show me a better way. Yeah, that's very good. And we see this a lot, you know, in relationships and been there ourselves where one of the two people or even both, it's like they're on a mission to change the other person. And it's never a recipe for success um, that's part of like when Katie is saying we accept people for where they are. You know, too many times you'll have somebody that's like, okay, they need to change. They need to do this differently. They need to do all these things. And, and look, that may be true. We all need to change and do things differently. But the whole approach of a successful relationship for the people involved is not to be the ones trying to change each other. It's to allow ourselves to be changed and to focus on where we are and allow that to be like a catalyst to help to inspire that relationship or that other person in the relationship to continue to grow. We hear this time and again where it's like finally somebody says, I gave up trying to change them and I just focused on me. And then after time, they saw the change in me and it inspired them to want to make changes as well. And that's the way God works. Like we can't be the Holy Spirit for someone else. I can't change her. I can see things that maybe I think, well, I would like to see that differently in her. But if I start focusing on that, it's just like the Bible says, you know, you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't see the log in your own eye. It's like, I need to focus on me. I need to let the Holy Spirit change and transform me. And then she's doing the same thing. And as a result, we're both becoming more and more of the people who God created us to be and also more and more of the person to the other one that we need to be. It's focusing on ourselves, not on the other person. And, and I want to make a side point about this. When it comes to accepting people for where they are and, and not having a mission to try and change them, you know, this is why the Bible is really clear about it being important to be equally yoked with people. Now, that word yoked in the Bible is a term, it's a, it actually describes what they hook oxen together with. It's like a beam of wood that has like a harness on each side, and they would hook two oxen together by the neck, and it's impossible for them to go in a different direction. So if they're trying to go in a different direction and they're not in unity, they're only going to frustrate, complicate, and exhaust each other. But if they're headed in the same direction, they can actually be stronger and more powerful than each one of them in individually if you added those two things together, the measure of their force. So when it says to be equally yoked, God's just giving us a warning. He's giving us a heed. He's saying, look, if you're going to hook yourself together with someone in a relationship as serious as marriage, then you need to think about ahead of time if you're on the same page. Are you, are you both believers? Do you both choose to follow God? Are you serious about pursuing what he wants for your life? It's not saying that if you get into a relationship that's not that way, God can't change it, God can't prosper it. He can, but it just means that you need to understand and we need to understand we can't hold that against someone if we willingly go into relationships 
relationships that we're not equally yoked with someone with. We need to know that, hey, it's up to God to make the changes here if we're going to step into those things and know that ahead of time. I think that holds true for relationships in business, um, all kinds of things, that when you hook close together and you're going to walk close together with people, it's important that you make sure that you're equally yoked with them. So, um, okay, on communication... We need to seek to serve and not be served. This is a perfect picture that Jesus gives us in his life. He, the Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to serve and not be served. And when we're in a relationship where we're trying to focus on our own needs and what I need to get out of this, it, it puts it in on like an inter. Uh, fo- an inward focus on ourselves and it blinds us from really being able to just see how we can serve the other person in the relationship and meet the needs that they have. We need to be looking for ways to serve and, and to be a blessing to the other person. It's you die to self so that you can lay hold of something greater. And so when I recognize that, man, I just need to, I need to serve her. I need to figure out what she needs, how I can bless her, how I can make her happy. And many times it's not things that I would normally just do on my own or that I would think to do, but I will intentionally go about doing that because it pleases her, because it serves her. Then it begins to improve and enrich the quality of that relationship every single time that I do that. And we need to live with our focus on the other person, not on ourselves all the time and what we need out of things. Another thing that, you know, we've learned is to clarify what what you've heard. Um, So often times, you know, I would hear something that Matt would say and I would become offended by it or get upset by it and be hurt. And it wasn't even what he meant. And so thankfully someone spoke into our lives early on and they say, you got to clarify what you hear. And so now when I feel like he said something that was hurtful, or I, I feel like I'm becoming offended, I say, wait a minute, this is what I think I heard you say. And most of the time, like the vast majority of the time, he's like, that's not what I meant. And so when we don't do that and we don't clarify what we heard, oftentimes we go off and, and we're mad. And the way I am, I'm mad. And then I don't talk to him. And then I don't do his laundry. And then he's asking me what's wrong. And I say, "Oh yeah." what do I say? Yeah, the whole, the whole, hey, what's wrong? Is something wrong? Nothing. Nothing. Well, look, and nothing so, is always something, so okay? Tip, guys, nothing is always something. It's just deep something. stuff, but nothing is always something. Yeah. yeah. So clarifying what you've heard and making sure that you guys are on the same page, you know, that has saved us so many um, misunderstandings, arguments, and things like that along the way. Yeah, it's true because you kind of what you do is you hold somebody hostage to something that you think that they meant or did that they never intended to do or mean, and they don't even, you don't even give them an opportunity to to clarify that. So, repeating like this is what I heard and this is what I said is huge because the devil can be in confusion, and we know the Bible says in First Corinthians fourteen thirty three, God is not the author of confusion but of peace. So when confusion sets in in a relationship and we're, we're misguided and misled by things that we think to be the case which really aren't, it can only begin to cause more and more problems as we move forward. It's like we form a lens from what we think is the case or what we think is true 
and we form a lens that we see things through from that point onward off of a false pretense, and then it just makes everything else get more and more clouded each step of the way from on down the line. Well, if we can root those things out from the beginning and make sure that we're understanding and clarifying what each other are saying, it'll help us to avoid holding people hostage to something that they never intended to say or mean in the first place. Um, I heard a guy one time, he was talking to me a while back, and this really just like rocked my world. He said, Matt, you know, you're a really driven guy, motivated guy. Like you always want to like become an expert at whatever you do, right? Like you like to hunt and fish and you want to be an expert at that. You like to do something and you just want to be an expert at it. You pursue it to be good at it. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's it's just, I don't know why. It's just kind of how I am. And He's like, well, have you ever thought about like maybe trying to become an expert at your wife? Who was this guy? Um, I need to thank him. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it really hit me because it was like I wasn't putting as much effort and as much emphasis in like understanding and knowing her and learning her, becoming an expert in what she needed is what I was other things in my life. It was very convicting actually. And, uh, and I realized like, and I'm not saying I still mess up at this all the time, believe me, but it's, it's just like, it helped me realize that I need to learn her and know her better than anyone else and be able to, to respond and move forward in a way that meets the needs that she has and that helps me to be, be the person to her that she needs. For example, she needs a lot of quality conversation. She likes to have these really meaningful talks, really deep details, you know? And, uh, you know, and I'm cool just with a few things. But, um, but I, I've, I've changed on that. And I've realized that we need to have those talks and those moments because that's what she needs to get. And, and so we have to become an expert at understanding our spouse um, and the people that we're in relationship with to help know how, how can I make an investment in this? How can I make a contribution into this? Not a withdrawal or what am I receiving, but how am I investing into this thing to make it stronger and make it more healthy? you have anything else on that? Go ahead. Another thing is, you know, you have to refrain from casting stones, from going way back into the past and bringing up this thing and throwing it at them. You know, the things that you guys have dealt with and let go, they have to, they have to stay in there. You know, it's so hurtful to, you know, hear something that you thought was done and over with and then it's brought back up and used against you again. Um, and I know that, you know, for us, we even have, like, words that we don't use. We have communication that we don't say, you know, to each other. We've created boundaries in that. And, you know, using words like always or never um, is, is hurtful for us, you know. And so there's times when you say you always do this, and it's like reaching all the way back there in the past and pulling out all this stuff and saying that you do it. And really, those words are, for us, they're hurtful because for me, I get defensive. I'm like, I don't always do that. I haven't always done that. And so instead of dealing with whatever issue it is that we're dealing with, you know, I become defensive because I'm, I know that that's not true. Um, and so having, you know, boundaries to where you don't do that is helpful. Yeah. And on that point, it's kind of like you, you, everybody's going to have disagreements. You're going to have discussions that get a little heated that you've got to work through and that you've got to talk through. I mean, we know that. That's going to happen with any good relationship over time. The key is is that you establish these ground rules, like Katie's saying. It's like you, if you're, 
you're going to fight, you got to fight fair. you got to have these ground rules, these parameters that you agree on that keep the, the healthiness of the conversation in the right direction so that you can break through and get to a successful outcome. And one of the other things I think about is early on, um, we decided that we would never use the word divorce with each other. Like in the early years, you know, I don't know why. It's an empty threat. Like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out of here. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Or, you know, just these like empty threats, like it was like we were going to be backing out. And it was so damaging and so destructive and hurtful. And we had to realize like that was a word that had to just be eliminated from our vocabulary altogether. And we have never said that word in years and years and years since. And we, we nip that thing in the bud. But when you do stuff like that, look, every wound has to heal. Every time you get cut, a wound has to have time to heal up before you can be fully healthy again. So think about it. When you're damaging and destructive with your communication to one another, you're doing something that now has to heal. You're doing something that now has to have time to, to be reconciled, to be healed, and to kind of get back to the place that it was. That's just the way it works. And so if we're attacking and damaging, all we're doing is like we're just beating each other up and we're these bruised people that are just constantly in need of healing from this battle that we just fought when really if we just make sure we're eliminating a lot of things in the way we have disagreements, we won't be bringing these cuts and these wounds into the communication whenever we're having it with one another. Um, what are some other things besides like divorce, always and never? Um, angry, you know, yelling yeah. at each other. You know, when you raise the bar to yelling, you know, you just kind of like remove most chance of it being resolved in that moment. Um, cussing at each other, you know, going and in, in doing that, it just it escalates everything. And using insulting words is always a big deal. I mean, you're just going to raise people's defenses when you do that. There, there's no longer an even ground to be able to work on something. And, you know, having conversations to know, like, there's some things that I think, like, everybody would agree on here, you know, yelling, cussing, or whatever. But then there's other things. Like, maybe you're like, always, never. Why, why is that such a big deal? Well, for me, you know, you come from a broken past. And so there's going to be words that would affect me that wouldn't necessarily affect you. And so, like, the, the word divorce is, I don't think anybody should say, but for me it was so damaging because I came from a divorced home. You know, Matt didn't. And so, like, he didn't already feel that. Like, when he said divorce, I felt what I felt like as a little girl when my parents were divorced. And all that pain and all of that, I could feel it. And he didn't experience it in the same way. And so knowing those words that are trigger words for the person in the relationship are so helpful because you might not not even really mean what you're saying, but to them it could be very cutting. And so having that conversation is very important. Yeah, it's very good. So another big thing is that the communication that we have, it has to always be packaged in love. You take love out of the equation and everything begins to just unravel after that. Um, you know, it's like when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he's like, you know, if you could... You can do all these great things for the poor. You can do all these wonderful things. You can even give your body to be burned, meaning like die a martyr's death. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. It, everything was in vain if you weren't doing it in love. So what that means to me is that our best attempts at anything, 
if love isn't encapsulating it, will never truly produce the, th- the will of God and the fruit of God that we're looking to see happen in our lives. And there's a really good guide, if you will, kind of an, an assessment test for our communication and our interactions with each other in 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read these verses to you in 4 through 7. Verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself around and is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked or angered. It thinks no evil, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's more in those verses than I could unpack in an hour, but I really encourage you to spend some time with each other really studying these words and these verses and going over them. The main point that I want to make here is it's real easy to identify any time when you read these scriptures when you step outside of love. If we're talking and we're having a conversation and I get offended very easily or I get angered very easily and I respond from that anger, I've moved outside of love. If, if I am seeking my own and my own selfish pursuit in something and what I'm attempting to gain is all about me instead of about her and the healthiness of our relationship, I've stepped outside of love. All of these things that you can look at in these verses and you can see, it's like a gut check. You know, you're like, oh man, I know I, I probably messed up there. But you realize, you're like, when I, when I operate in love, love never fails. It's always successful. It always accomplishes the things that it needs to accomplish. But when I get outside of love and I begin to communicate in a way that's in my own flesh or something else, then all the kinds of problems that I don't want to befall upon my marriage and my relationships are able to start setting in. Another one in uh, the Amplified Version, it says when it talks about bearing all things, it says it bears all things regardless of what comes. So it's not like there's a... There's a checkout point here. I'm going to love you until, or I'm going to stick in this thing with you up until a certain point. It's literally like I'm with you through thick and thin forever. Like we're here, we're together. We're going to get through whatever comes our way. I'm not bailing out, you're not bailing out, and we're riding this thing out together no matter what. And that's love for each other and for the blessing God puts on our relationship. And then it also says it believes all things and hopes all things. So we have to always see the best in the other person. Even in spite of the flaws that are there, we have to still see the best and have the hope that like God is continuing to do a work in this. He is going to bring us through this thing. No matter what we come against, we are always going to prevail because God is going to take us through. But too many times hopelessness or lack of hope can set in and we can think, well, it's useless we're never going to get through this. Well, we're just going to end up like that other couple. Well, we're just, we're just going to be one of those stories now. And that's hopelessness. That's like a, a mild form of despair getting ready to set in. And that can kill a work of God being done in your life. You want to operate in love all the time. Well, how do we love? We love because we receive his love. We're not the source of that. We're, the, we're just the conduit of that. He, we, God says, love others as I have loved you. Well, the key is receive his love and then you can give that love. We stay full of that, and we can actually offer that. You can give what you're full of. You can't give what you don't have. And so when we stay full of his love and our own relationship with him, seeking him every day and praying and all that, then I am full of this perfect love of God that I can offer and give and that can 
overcome my inadequacies or my insufficiencies in my own flesh and can begin to bless everything that it is that I'm saying and doing in the way that we're going about in our relationship. Does that make sense? It's just love is, is huge. That was one of those wordy times, I think, probably that you were talking about for me. But go ahead. Oh, I'm good. No, go ahead on love. Go ahead on love. Yeah, love, um, love it really does. You know, I mean, it, it blankets everything. It, it makes things easier to take in when you receive them out of love. You know, and really, if you check your heart, you know, there's times when I am upset and I feel like I need to go tell somebody something. But if I can get <clears throat> to a place where I am speaking out of love, it, it, it helps me. Too. You know, it helps the, the giver and the receiver when you operate out of love. Yeah, very important. The word in that verse for love is the word agape, which actually means like charity, unselfish, a preference of others. So love at the root of its word is preferring others over self. It's valuing the way that I am impacting, affecting, and treating her more than what I'm trying to get out of the situation on my own. And what's beautiful about I mean, God's just so good and so wise and so amazing because what's beautiful about it is if I'm living that way, seeking to serve her and being selfless and staying full of the love of God so I can give it, and she's doing the exact same thing and we're walking together that way, the, 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 the depth of a relationship and the intimacy of a relationship is beyond anything that you can ever imagine. And, and that's God's design. That's the way he's created us when we're walking and functioning and flowing in that together. And that's how we can say, I've said this a, a, a week or two ago, and I just want to remind you that I said this a week or two ago, that um, I love her more today than I have ever loved her before in our relationship. And that couldn't be a truer statement that... I loved her when we got married, obviously, but because we've grown together and our love has went deeper and our understanding of each other and our intimacy with one another has went deeper, I continue to love her more and more with every passing season of our lives. And I believe that that will always continue to be the case as long as we're walking this way with God and growing closer to him and growing closer to one another and how we understand each other. So just remember later today that I said that, okay? All right. Um... I just had one last thing on something else before we wrap up. Do you have anything else on communication? Good. All right. So this is the last thing that I wanted to talk about. And this has to do with, um, you know, purity in relationships. And the Bible is really clear about this. And so you have to, you have to preach this, that sexual intimacy is something that is reserved for a husband and a wife. It is something that is designed to be a part of our intimacy with one another, but it's something that is created for two people who have stepped into a covenant of marriage and are under the blessing of God in that covenant. And look, I'm just going to put this up there on the, on the screen. This is an NIV version that I'm reading it in, Hebrews 13.4. It says that marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. And look, we're not naive. I mean, we know how things are today. But here's the issue. When you begin to live outside of the will of God, you ultimately bring great destruction and you bring great calamity upon yourself 
as you willing, even if you don't know it, it still brings all these problems. But when you know it and you do it willingly and continue down that road, that's when the Bible says a lot about like walking in a continual pattern of sin. When you keep willingly going down that road against what the word of God is saying, then you are inviting great destruction into that relationship. And it's important that you hear us say this because as we grow as a church and we have you know, young adults and youth, and we're doing premarital stuff. Like, this is the message that people are going to hear, is that this is uh, part of a relationship that's reserved for a covenant of marriage that's a beautiful thing, that's an amazing thing, but it can become a very damaging thing in a relationship if we're giving ourselves to this and we're not actually under the covering and the blessing of God the way that it's supposed to be. And so when we tell you this, we want to be really... We want to be real with you guys on this because I think this helps convey the story um, and what we're saying that when Katie and I met and we first got together, this is not the way that we actually were living. And, um, you know, I, I had dated other people and been with other people. She had too. And so it wasn't like this major thing that I had a problem with. And so we, we started living together. We started sleeping together. And uh, this went on through that first kind of, I don't know, six, 12 months in our relationship. And then we got engaged and um, we were, and by this time I'd got saved and started growing closer to God. And, and all of a sudden it was like in the same time, both of us became very convicted about this. We got very convicted that we were living outside the will of God. How can we expect to be blessed by God if we're living outside of his word and choosing to do that? And the Holy, that's why I say like, you know, we're not, we don't judge anybody. We, we, the Holy Spirit convicts us and he was convicting us big time on this. And it was important that we would respond to that instead of just ignoring it and moving on without it. And so we came to each other and we were both like, you know, I really feel like, you know, we need to change this. God's convicting us on this. Like, we got to trust him that if we, if, if we want his blessing on our relationship, we need to live the way he's called us to live. And so we both made a decision that we were going to abstain from intimacy from that point forward. Now, we were, this was like June or July. We were scheduled to get married, uh, engaged to get married the following May. And I'm just going to level with you. I don't think I could wait. So... <laughs> We moved the wedding up to October. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? I got six kids. I think you can connect the dots. No, the truth is, is that she can't keep her hands off of me. Honestly, it's a bad, it's bad. It's, yeah. So, you know, we moved the wedding up to October. We planned an entire wedding in like less than three months. And here, here's what I will say to that. Um, when we got married that day, it was literally like you could just feel the blessing and the grace of God in his hand just come right upon our marriage and relationship and say, I call this blessed. I'm going to love with you. I don't think that would have happened if we wouldn't have obeyed the voice of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives at that time. And... Um, and, and so, you know, you said this last service I thought was perfect. Like all of that that we had done whenever we got convicted and we responded to that. How did you put it? Like it restored. It restored. It, God is just such a merciful and loving God. And, you know, he, he accepts us where we are, right? We talked about that. And so at any point, if we turn our life 
toward God and we commit ourselves to him, he restores, you know, and for us, you know, we didn't do it that way. We certainly wouldn't recommend people to do it the way we did, but he was faithful because we turned our lives to him and he restored it and he restored the intimacy in our, in our marriage and in our relationship. And, you know, there were things that we had to walk through, but he has been there and he has blessed us and it has just been awesome. Yeah. And people would comment and like, man, you could just like feel the presence of God here today in this wedding ceremony. And we were just so blessed by that and have felt blessed in our marriage and our relationship ever since then, every step of the way. And so, you know, the point is whether it's intimacy and sex and purity and or other things like guys, we just can't expect to live outside the will of God, outside the word of God and, and still walk under his blessing and, and all of these things that he wants to do in our relationships, right? I mean, he's God. He calls the shots. And that's part of us dying to ourselves so we can lay hold of something greater. It's saying, I think that this is going to make me happy. I think this is going to bring me pleasure. But I'm going to trust God instead that his way is better than my way. And that if I walk according to that, he'll help me do that. And it will bring greater fruitfulness and greater f- fulfillment and joy in my life than anything I could possibly do on my own. And I promise you, when you walk that out, it will always be the case. Anything we think is the way we should do something, if it's outside the word of God, it's just a lie. It's just a temptation of the enemy to deceive us, to get us to think, well, I love God, but I'm going to kind of still do things this way, or I'm going to kind of still do things that way. And, you know, Jesus said, like, it's, it's worse off for him who knows not to do something but does it anyway than him who does it but didn't know that it was wrong. It's still bad, but it's way greater level of accountability and way greater level of destruction that befalls on him who knows not to do and still does it. D- does it, does it. Uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> and, and we're all people. We're all human. I hope you can see that that's our heart. And I mean, we are as imperfect as it gets, but we love Jesus. We love God. And we're just seeking to serve him and have him be, make us into everything that he's created us to be. We need to be a people who are very quick and very uh, fast to, to let the Lord deal with us on things. Be humble and know, like, God needs to do a work in all of us. He needs to temper us. He needs to purge things from us. He needs to deal with our mess each and every single day. If I'm resisting that or I'm holding away from that, it's just gonna, it's just gonna bring problems in my life. But if I'm quick to say, God, like David said, examine my heart, see if there's any, insuff- any inadequacy, any evil in me, God, and sift it and get rid of it and help deal with that. If I live my life that way, then God will constantly bring the change and the transformation that I need and I'll continue to grow more and more in my intimacy with him and in my intimate relationships with the people in my lives and it's important that we do that because look God chastises those whom he loves it may not be fun it may be painful but it is healthy for our soul to be under the correction lens of our holy God and to allow him to constantly deal with anything that's of our flesh or that's of this world that's there that is contaminating the quality, the health of any of the relationships that we have in our lives. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say real quick that I have never, nor have I ever heard anyone tell me that they have been corrected by God and after they've walked through the pain of change, regretted it. I've never heard that. You know, and in my own life, I mean, there's been difficult seasons. There's been things that have been hard to let go of. 
but I have never once regretted it. I have so many stories of things that I'll say I would never want to go through it again, but I'm grateful that I did. Amen. Let's stand to our feet here today and